welcome to Insights on Demand, a podcast from Business Talent Group, where we talk to the world's best independent talent about the future of work and other pressing business issues. I'm Leah Hoffman, and today's guest is Rosemary Coates, a supply chain and manufacturing strategist who worked at SAP and led KPMG's supply chain practice and now helps clients in a broad range of industries re-engineer global supply chain manufacturing processes. Welcome, Rosemary. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. So we spoke to you in late February for a piece on COVID-related supply chain disruptions. And at that point, the impact was really just beginning to be felt, and it was mostly still a matter of dealing with disruptions to Chinese manufacturing. Now it seems like a different situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> landscape is sort of barren these days, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to even just assessing, getting a handle on where things are, let alone starting to deal with this for companies. And obviously this depends very much on on one's industry, but, you know, back in February, we were talking about looking beyond China at alternate production sites, which is something companies were already starting to do. What's your advice now? Well, uh, yeah, so it's, um, I, I would emphasize that, you know, that's still applicable as companies looking to uh, make alternate plans. But now, you know, it's clear that companies must make a strategic plan for alternate uh, manufacturing locations, alternate ways of distributing products. I mean, there are all kinds of changes that I think we're going to see coming out of this. Um, it's just that I think most companies are going to make progress sort of by inches. And, mm-hmm. right. um, because Because I think we're facing a very long recessionary period. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we should stop, you know, making plans and, and figuring out what to do. You know, in my opinion, it's quite likely we're going to have a second wave of this next winter. Right. Uh, and as a result, companies need to plan for that and what they're going to do. Uh, when right. We have some basic uptime maybe in the next uh, couple of months once the lockdowns are over. There was a statistic I was reading earlier. 75% of the companies in late February and early March had reported some kind of disruption by now, that's probably um, everyone, um, and 44% yeah. of them didn't have a plan to deal with it. Right. Yeah. So for for quite some time, you know, I've been working with clients, and you know, I always try to emphasize they need to have a plan B. So even when times are good and everybody's happy and shipments are moving and so forth, you still never know what might be around the corner. And so, you know, I very often work with my clients to develop at least a, an outline or a sketch of how they might react if there is some major disruption. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when the when the tariffs were put in place, the 301 tariffs on Chinese imports and the 232 tariffs on aluminum and steel, companies woke up and, and thought about how they might consider alternate plans or maybe manufacturing in some place other than China. But it was sort of um, sort of almost half-hearted, you know. It was, well, we are having a heavy burden and during 25 to 30% tariffs, but, you know, it'll be over soon or <laughs> yeah, trade yeah. war will stop soon. So, you know, there was less urgency to it. Now, I think it's pretty obvious to everyone that you have to have alternate plans in place. And I don't mean just for China, but what are you going to do when, you know, these kind of things happen again? Do you have alternate sources? Can you source different places? Can you move your business in a different direction? Mm -hmm. 
in terms of just sort of reacting now, you know, the companies that are trying to stabilize their supply chains, you know, I would imagine that this, certainly if you're, if you have the luxury of planning ahead, you can anticipate maybe how things are moving. I mean, I'm wondering how to deal with the fact that one of your alternate sources might be a different country, which would then be at a different stage of its pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, so one of the things, and, and yes, that's absolutely true. I mean, you should be looking at alternate countries. So instead of China, then, you know, maybe Vietnam or Taiwan or Indonesia or Mexico. Mexico is a very good, solid option. So, you know, where could you move alternate production? But I think you have to balance that with demand as well. So it's it's not good enough just to say, well, you know, how am I going to get more parts in here? You You have to understand that probably demand is going to be reduced too. So right. it's not just a matter of getting a lot of inventory in place or alternate suppliers. It's also how do you re-optimize what you're getting, the, you know, the number of products, you know, will those be sold? And you have to really think through all of that. So, you know, a, a couple of my clients have asked for a short periods, maybe a day or two where they're doing sort of overall strategic planning. And then uh, the next stage is to execute those plans or um, to go down one pathway or another. But, you know, for the first stage is to look at your global landscape and really identify what are the most strategic or most important things and how is that going to balance your incoming supply chains with your outgoing shipments to customers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, another gap that this seems to have exposed is visibility into supply chains. Another stat mm-hmm. that I read was about, again, still still in the early stages, but 70% of the companies in January and February were still in data collection mode. You know, they, were, they were doing a lot of this stuff manually, trying to figure out which suppliers were going to be affected and how that might move up the chain. Yeah, so in, in January, when Wuhan went on lockdown in China, certainly affected specific industries such as automotive and automotive parts and some some other industries related to metal fabrication and so forth. But very quickly, you could see how it spread across China, because even though it may be just, you know, metal fabrication in, in the Wuhan area, it may have affected a product that was being made in southern China in the Pearl River Valley in Guangzhou, Dongguan, Shenzhen. And pretty soon, those companies were being shut down as well. And then eventually, you know, the Chinese government pretty much closed all factories for a few weeks. Right. So it affected everything. Now, companies on the other side in the U.S., I mean, as a general rule, most companies have about 30 to 60 days worth of inventory. Mm-hmm. And so they kept going and it you know, didn't feel like there was that much effect. But now we're into to, uh, the end of March and April when those inventories are all gone. So companies have produced their products and there isn't much left. So now what do they do? If they are continuing to manufacture, and a lot of companies are considered essential industries, so they do have manufacturing still open, they can't get supplies. Right. So, you know, these are the, the kind of ideas and, you know, you know, they're scrambling for where can they source other things. But these are the kind of ideas that you have to think through and be prepared for and really open your eyes to to what might happen over the long term. Even though demand is reduced, you're still going to have some companies that are going to need your products. And how do you produce those if you don't have the raw materials or the incoming supply chain items to do that? 
Well, I imagine, I mean, you know, it seems like it's a good opportunity for companies to be more precise and detailed in the plans and get more visibility into their supply chains. There's maybe some reluctance in ordinary business times to, to do that work and make that investment. Yeah, if nothing else, this should have sparked a little bit of terror <laughs> in companies that they need to have alternate plans. They need to do something else. And yes, this is the time to think that through and to come up with some strategy so that you know how to deal with it or have some direction, some roadmap for working your way through it and back to, to normal commerce when this is over. Right. Well, actually, that's a good segue to my next question. Let's talk about how this is going to play out, both in sort of the near to midterm. One reads that there are some Chinese factories that are starting to come back online, but you know now the rest of the world is involved and there are quarantines and lots of other things to kind of navigate. Yeah. Some of the Chinese firms are coming back and starting to supply things like masks and you know <laughs> some critical needed items at this point. But, you know, it was also a wake-up call, I think, for companies to understand how dependent they were on manufacturing in China, including things like ventilators and medical supplies and so forth, but also pharmaceuticals. So much of the basic components of pharmaceuticals are actually manufactured in China. Um, So, you know, it's time for those companies to think through that strategy and how do they either bring manufacturing back to the U.S., which, you know, was part of what we would promote, or move it to different places in the world so you have multiple manufacturing sites and are able to move between them. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just pharmaceuticals. I mean, this is a kind of strategy and thoughtful review that companies in any industry should be talking about and, and thinking through and developing a strategy for. Right. So. People are starting to critique what this says about our reliance on outsourcing and um, just-in-time inventory, especially as you know, you brought up the issue of masks and ventilators. What do you make of, of those critiques? Well, you know, these are treacherous times, and I think a lot of people make a lot of statements about this or that. You know, even on TV, you'll hear people throwing around the term or talking about supply chain, and they don't really know what they're talking about. They don't know the complexity of it or the processes for importing or all the component steps that you have to go through in order to make supply chains effective and real. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And so... You know, you get a lot of hype and different ideas and that sort of thing. I think it's really important to work with, you know, somebody that is sophisticated enough and has enough experience to know how supply chains really happen. Sure. How do you think this is going to change supply chains in the future? You know, a lot of talk's been sort of circulating about how this is going to change the way people buy online, working from home, what might become more accepted even after this is over. Do you think it's too soon to say how this is going to shake out in terms of supply chain? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question in my mind that we're going to move towards a more digital kind of work environment and economy, you know, using the application of software to understand where in the supply chain uh, your products are moving. Uh, it used to be, you know, when I started out working, you know, 25 years ago, we didn't call it supply chain back then, but, you know, it was operations and it was about moving boxes off the shipping dock. And, you know, mm-hmm. that that was the kind of operations that we did, right? So we made stuff and then we moved stuff off the dock. Today's environment, supply chain is really about moving information. So it's really less about looking for those particular boxes and more about knowing what is in your supply chain, what's coming to you, what's going out, 
How do you make that flow happen or rebalance it so that it moves in an orchestrated way across the world? So I think we're going to see definitely a move towards more digitization, um, the adoption of, of software to do that. But, you know, also, I think this has been really interesting for people who can work from home and work effectively from home. You know, in the past, it was sort of a luxury. People would say they were working from home today or something like that. But now I think it's going to be more the norm than it is the exception. And, you know, that'll change the way people communicate and the kind of digital tools they use as well, like video conferencing and so forth to make things happen. Well, thanks again for talking with us. My guest is Rosemary Coates, an independent business continuity expert, and I'm Leah Hoffman for Business Talent Group's Insights on Demand podcast. In upcoming episodes, we'll be talking with other independent experts about unique challenges companies face in these times, from culture to business continuity. Subscribe for these insights and more wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.